Hey everyone, it's Alicia too, and welcome back to NotFest Heavy Conversations. Today I'm joined by NotFest hosts Ryan J. Downey and Daniel Decay. So first off, how is everybody doing? Hello? Ooh. We have a little trio's party here. Very excited to have you both back. Yeah, the power <laughs> last, trio. Last time oh, we did yeah. a tri- triangle for me. Now it's it's inverted triangle this time. So yeah, Mine we got the too. inverted triangle this time too. We all have the inverted triangle. <laughs> we do. Very, it's like, it's very metal. It's meant to be. <laughs> No, I'm excited about today because we have a lot of topics we're going to be diving into. So it's all spooky, which I know we have the perfect guests on the show today for. As a first up, big news, Corey Taylor is acquired and is relaunching Famous Monsters. There will be a digital... Yes. Sorry. I got ahead of myself. He's excited. Yo, he's so he's so excited. Wow. I've never seen somebody on this show jump on something like the moment that it is mentioned. You know what? Let I'm gonna take a step back. Please say your two cents. I'm so excited. Yeah, pretty buzzer. Famous monsters, Forrest J. Ackerman, famous monsters of Filmland. It has been an iconic brand for almost 70 years, like 65 years. Um Everybody watching who is a Misfits fan, which should be everybody watching, uh, you will recognize the Famous Monsters logo because it was famously cribbed by the Misfits. That font that you see the word Misfits in is literally the Famous Monsters font. Um, I would argue, which is a little bit of a side tangent, but I would argue what the Misfits were doing in the 70s and 80s was a lot different than doing stuff like that right now because there wasn't the internet, there wasn't the widespread access to everything, and they were they were more artistically repurposing things like the Crimson Ghost, which was from a forgotten film serial. And a lot of the artwork that they used were from like, you know, uh, pre-code comics and stuff like that. But anyway, um, yeah, Famous Monsters, it's it's uh, changed hands a few times. Uh, the Misfits, even the in the Resurrection era, actually even named an album Famous Monsters. But uh, yeah, Mr. Taylor grabbing a hold of it is um very exciting and what he's talked about so far about uh honoring the legacy of the whole brand for lack of a better word as well as kind of updating it for the modern era because when we think famous monsters we think a lot of you know dracula and frankenstein's monster and bride of frankenstein and the mummy and uh you know and and there's this whole newer horror pantheon of the freddies and jasons and michaels and ghost faces and uh yeah from what it sounds like he's planning on uh bringing that all together and i know there's like a convention element he's talking about bringing back the print edition once or twice a year um it's pretty awesome yeah i didn't jump all over (laughs) because it's it's uh it's as up my alley as about anything can get definitely and d how about you Danny Downey, you touched on it real quick. I kind of want you're you're my guy for you're my go-to guy for all this stuff. Um, oh. I need you to to this Misfits connection a little more for me. Uh, obviously, '99 record, uh, Famous Monsters, and the font. I've always known it was the same font. What's the connection of the, of the two worlds? Where does that start? Um, well, the magazine goes back to the late '50s, and like a lot of things that that Glenn was really into and continues to be into and, and Jerry was into by some extension. Uh, you know, the, the misfits lore, the mythology, the imagery was all really pulled from that mid-century era of like obscure horror and um, 
underground films and B movies and serials and things like that. And famous monsters was like the magazine that was really covering all of that. Um, and so the magazine in and of itself, you know, you got to think about this time, like decades before the internet uh, was a place where you could seek out like-minded horror fans who were into the same stuff you were like, and maybe the classified sections and you could actually get these detailed profiles on people that did makeup and people that performed in those films and writers and directors that weren't really being covered by the mainstream press and that you couldn't just, you know, like now you can go follow someone's social media. You can go in all these like nooks and crannies where there's places and communities built around any number of, of interests. But um, back in the day, I mean, and, and even for me, you know, being of the, of generation X where we grew up without the internet and then with the internet, like somewhere in there, uh, you know, I can remember magazines like Famous Monsters, uh, you know, going to comic book shops or yard sales or whatever, because the magazine originally stopped publishing in the early 80s. So it was gone by the time I discovered it, but already very collectible and already like trying to get your hands on it and read all these cool articles and very much in the same lineage as like Fangoria and Starlog and a bunch of those geek publications so the misfits really you know horror and metal have always had these overlaps but the misfits really specifically had honed in on this like mid-century 50s and 60s um like strand of b movies whether it's you know the uh i mean pretty much any iconic misfits imagery that you can think about from the original era of the original band fronted by danzig from you know 77 to 83 really anything that you can picture, whether it's the Die, Die, My Darling single artwork, whether it's the Walk Among Us artwork, there's something in there that's been cribbed and repurposed from, uh, you know, movies like Angry Red Planet and, uh, you know, Chamber of Chills, I think it's called, is the is the pre-code comic that, because uh, comics, when you, when you say pre-code, there was a moral panic about comic books once upon a time where parents were like, comic books are destroying children because they were really gory and suspenseful and had all these fantastical tales and sometimes violent so there was this thing called the comics code authority that got instituted which was basically like a loose self-regulatory thing where all the major comic companies said like okay we're going to clean it up and make sure that like kids are safe and everyone calms down about the sex and violence and alcohol and stuff in comics and so the pre-code comics were a lot of that stuff like you know, when you think about tales from the crypt and things like that, and uh, you know, the misfits were very, very influenced by that. And I see like a real split when, uh, you know, when you take Danzig out of the misfits and he goes on to do Sam Hain and and of course Danzig, and then Jerry fights him for the rights to the misfits name. Eventually, gets it from him in the '90s and comes back with the so-called resurrection era. You can really see that it was like Jerry who leaned more towards that cartoony sort of Saturday morning cartoons slash B movie monster stuff. And it was Danzig who was like, Oh no, I was always into the like dark violent side of that stuff. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't kidding. Like <laughs> I'm a dark violent guy. It's like you, you sort of split that in half and you really saw that it, it's the coming together of those things that I think makes the misfits what it is. So yeah. I never realized it was such See, an intense crossover. Oh, we know that he knows the answer to all of this shit. Like, he's the go-to for sure. This is my shit right here. This is, li this is literally my encyclopedia. <laughs> so I and, guess um, yeah, because the original... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, 
you know, coming up to the show today and reading about Corey, you know, obtaining the brand. Funny, he says he hates calling it a brand, but it's like literally a brand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obtaining the brand. And so I started looking into it and, you know, I had always associated the name with the Michael Graves record with that Michael Graves era of misfits is famous monsters to me. So then to see that it was the magazine today and to instantly recognize that it's the font of the fucking misfits logo. um, I knew I had to scratch. I had to scratch a little deeper on the surface with that and get, get the downy uh, historical take on it. There you go. And I would say without throwing (laughs) anybody under the bus too hard, that nineties, incarnation of the misfits was really pretty creatively bankrupt relative to the first one i mean it was really danzig that brought not only the songs and the lyrics but the imagery aside from the the outfits and the stage stuff which was definitely jerry um and so that that's when all of a sudden they're just like straight up calling an album famous monsters calling a song fiend club calling a song crimson ghost you know and this was like stuff these were things that were like elements of the original misfits and you could sort of see that concept being stretched then by you know a guy who wasn't necessarily the uh originator of all that but i got to give a shout out to the late great forrest j ackerman who died um gosh probably 10 plus years ago but he was the original editor of famous monsters back in the day he was also a literary agent he was a huge huge collector of like merchandise and memorabilia books related to horror and science fiction and and all of that and and was really like an advocate and like a a spokesperson for that whole culture and community Uh, and and as a literary agent he was um gosh like isaac asimov um ray bad ray bradbury um like he he represented a bunch of people who you know proved to be very influential in those genres also so I, i i loved seeing in Corey's like interview he did with Rolling Stone and and the you know some of the stuff he said about taking over famous monsters or, or joining forces with it that they're really going to be honoring Borja Ackerman's legacy and the memorabilia and the collections and all that stuff. So got scripts and, and whatnot. Yeah, there's also Corey's been talking about making movies himself and he's going to be using the famous monsters uh, umbrella awesome. to that stuff out from under yeah if you've ever uh seen the horror business book that kirk hammett put out which is named after a misfit song and is a really nice photographs of his whole collection of horror memorabilia which his stuff goes back way back to you know universal monsters and and before but uh very much in a similar vein like i could there's got to be a Corey taylor kirk hammett conversation to be had about famous monsters if there hasn't already <laughs> Hammett brought that exhibit to Toronto to to the art gallery here. It was insane. Yeah, it was yeah, it's been all and for a while. It was in the San Francisco airport, so you you yeah. could just if you got a layover in the SF airport, you could oh, just go look so at all. Oh, that's so cool. Stuff. Not all of it, but a bunch of it. Right. Yeah, very very. No, now definitely knowing how much it's across. What was that, dude? Spooky season. We got to talk about the misfits. Spooky <laughs> season. I mean, I was one of my favorite bands of all time, and also just my favorite. You know, I mean, I'm a huge horror genre fan and I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So, you know, of course, my favorite movies are Nightmare on Elm Street and I love, you know, all the slasher movies and everything. But I have a real soft spot for like hammer horror films from Britain, which were, you know, before my time. And uh, a lot of the B movies and vampire movies and the, the sort of schlockier stuff from the 50s and 60s. And that's the stuff that's like right in the Misfits DNA. Like the Misfits was like Black Sabbath plus punk rock 
at the dawn of punk rock plus all of that 50s 60s like b-movie stuff and mm-hmm. you know that's just all the stuff i've always been fascinated by no i'm so happy that you brought up the movie elements of it all because you mentioned before even the freddies and the jasons and the michaels and up next our, our next conversation is pretty much about a film every single person i've seen online is talking about but maybe not for the best reasons i'm talking yeah, about right. halloween ends i keep seeing just terrible reviews and everything passing through my feed i don't even know whether to watch it at this point you know some things are so bad they're funny i don't even know if that's the case so has anyone here on the panel actually given it a true watch yet believe it or not i have if you if you watched it yet okay yeah and it's definitely uh, extremely polarizing online i will say that um i absolutely did not enjoy Halloween Kills, which was the movie prior to this one. Yeah. Uh, where Michael Myers is just the Terminator. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> everything I've heard about this one is has been negative, with one notable exception of a film critic that I like who's declared it like a practically a work of genius and that it will be uh revered in a few years and people just don't understand it yet what they're doing and, sure. and whatnot. But I am I am of the opinion as much as there are elements of different sequels and reboots and things that have been done over the years, um, it really is Halloween. The original really is a film that didn't get a sequel. Like it really ends in a cool place. Um, you know, Michael Myers is this force of nature. He's evil personified. He has no motivation. There's no reasoning or bargaining with him. There's no empathizing. There's no sympathy. Um, He's just this like, you know, pure force and just kind of leaving it there, I think was the way to go. And inevitably in trying to do sequels, you're going to come up with, you know, backstories and motivations and Jamie Lee Curtis's character is going to be his sister, which they came up with in the second one and then did away with in this new trilogy. And then Rob Zombie, who I'm, you know, obviously a big fan of his movies uh were like let's what if he was what if he's just like your typical serial killer he had like a bad childhood and i as much as i love kiss and i know you do too miss Atoot, and as much as i love rob zombie i didn't need to see kid michael myers in a kiss t-shirt it was just <laughs> not the right direction to go either so I, I really think you know there's some bright spots and and of course i have sort of a nostalgic almost bordering on ironic love of halloween 3 which of course doesn't involve michael myers but um, it's one of those movies, you know, I mean, I would argue the same thing about the original Elm Street. It didn't really need a sequel. But in the case of that franchise, you know, we got Dream Warriors and we got some other like really bright spots where they they made good movies that expanded on the mythology and attitude to it as opposed to this one, I think, is has just sort of wandered aimlessly ever since. And this new trilogy is just the latest example of people not knowing what to do with the cool mask. That's like, is it you know is it worth the watch i feel like that's the biggest question here i feel like i'm gonna inevitably see it as a completist but <laughs> not looking forward to it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really good friends of mine who, who watched it like immediately when it came out were super bummed and they've been Damn. trashing it relentlessly in one of my group texts so that sucks because i feel like i this feel is like i've of... seen it I feel like this is one of those franchises that everyone looks forward to like a year ahead of time, you know? So the fact that it's just let down so many people, that's, you know, we'll see and for I ourselves, to I guess. Do well, commercially, because the better movies like this do, the, the more of them we get, um, good and bad. 
but uh and it seems like it's doing well even with the dual release on streaming which i don't some fans were even upset at that in principle uh which i don't necessarily understand um yeah. i wish everything came out on streaming <laughs> and i love going <laughs> to the theater but uh but yeah and spooky season i gotta give a shout out because we're not fest um and we've done a lot with this movie and we love it is the movie feed me um it's i believe about to be on vod and streaming uh it was at beyond fest um i did interviews with the cast and the two co-directors they're from our world they're metal people and that is a really creative inventive low budget shocking slash hilarious horror film so if you only have time to watch halloween ends or feed me go watch that's <laughs> definitely watch the latter <laughs> now after hearing all was, of that dude, i was gonna you... say Go ahead. Yeah, like, you know, if we're going to talk like spooky season reboots, classics, uh, here's one that doesn't suck. Uh, Saw the new Hellraiser. Uh, that's fucking awesome. Was it, it is insanely good. Like, I'll watch it again. I, you know, in fact, if, I'll be honest, I watched it one and a half times already. It's really good. <laughs> okay. I've been looking for it's, more of those it, films it, for it, now. That's a, that's a good suggestion. It captures it captures like that really uh, uncomfortable vintage darkness of the, like the OG Hellraiser. I like anything anything to do with kind of like Satan is like I'm I'm big into. I like that kind of spooky shit. Um, but like for me, Hellraiser is such an important brand, and uh, there's a lot of them, and some are not as good as the others. And uh, this this reboot whatever you want to call it is fucking dope it's really really good highly recommend yeah that's another troubled franchise where there's some sequels in in it that uh didn't even originate as hellraiser movies that were like other screenplays that were then adapted into let's throw some hellraiser elements in here so we can get this movie made and put the hellraiser stamp on it so that's encouraging to hear because i haven't seen the is it is it a is it a reboot or is it more is it a requel is it more in line with like yeah that's that it's that's that's what you should call it is a requel thank you that is is, thanks to the screen friend guys that is the official word the the requel is like the soft reboot where you know like the force awakens or uh you know the last scream movie or the last Candyman movie literally like it's still it's in the canon but it's also it's just named hellraiser it's just named halloween but (laughs) but it is a sequel to something yeah it's a requel requel that's the that's a great phrase. I'm definitely, I'm stealing that. I feel like I'm talking too much. So it's literally like spooky metal. It's your symposium, So I can't kind of can't. You know. No, we have one last news piece before we get into our regular questions for the week. And this one's based around the new NHL 23 soundtrack as it showcases a ton of familiar names within our world. And when you actually look over all of the names, most of the genre leans a lot heavier as it includes a day to remember, ghost, corn, turnstile, amongst a ton of other super awesome bands. So how cool is this to actually see in the mainstream? And what does this kind of mean in terms of just seeing more of this crossover amongst metal and uh, horror and also video games d let's start with you um so you know perhaps i haven't perhaps i'm guilty of not playing as many video games as i should have in uh the last 10 years but i recall when i was really into gaming specifically sports games when i was younger that the that the playlists were always like really good with the heavy music choices whether it was like heavy pop punk or something really alternative or like you know, as we're seeing now, like heavy metal type stuff, like Gojira's on there. 
Um, I think that that, I think that's really cool because, you know, once you start to look into the world of sports and you see what these athletes that you're playing as actually listen to in their dressing rooms to hype themselves up before they go on, it's like, yeah, they listen to Metallica and, and Slayer and Alexis on fire and Coheed and like, they like aggressive, fast, loud music. And, uh, I think it's really cool. I remember, like, and still there's, like, parties. Like, you can go to, like, a DJ-themed party that's, like, based on the Tony Hawk Underground playlist. Like, there's, like, there are cover bands that do, like, just certain eras of, of soundtracks for video games. So, I mean, it's very encouraging to see, like, a massive mainstream game. Like, an NHL game's huge. Covered in, covered in uh, you know, heavy, heavy footprints like that. You just got to hope it helps get spins for those artists. Maybe turns on some people to a band they never heard of. Um, I think it's great. I think more, more heavy all the time in as many placements as we can. You'll never hear me complain ever. Yes. I will never date <laughs> that shit. There's not that like, Oh, you put Metallica in your movie. Like get fucked. Like it's awesome. No yeah. gatekeeping at all on that shit. And no, it's I, such a great place for discovery to, you know, I mean, I remember like 20 plus years ago, um, doing an interview with the Madden twins from good Charlotte. And they were talking about how, they they felt like uh you know the nfl games that ea sports was putting out was doing more for their singles than radio was at that time and uh and this is another ea sports game and yeah as gojira and ghost and corn and a lot of the bands that you mentioned and hardcore stuff like stick to your guns it also keeps that pop punk tradition alive i want to say that i saw uh, real friends or somebody was on there and frank turner's on there i love frank turner i guess that he's like emo scene acoustic something yeah uh, so it's got kind of a wide <laughs> variety of like things from our little subculture here um yeah i i, I don't I, i'm with daniel like zero gatekeeping i don't i don't think that there's anything but good that can come out of it and also in an era when um bands have fewer ways to break through the white noise and kind of promote themselves and fewer ways to monetize hopefully they're all getting paid and paid well from the licensing opportunities and getting great exposure from it so yeah i don't see it as anything other than a win and there's i'm not personally like a hockey person but it seems like in the last 10 years or so every hardcore and metal person has become a huge hockey fan um and whether we see that with like violent gentlemen which is like a whole brand started by hardcore dudes to make hockey merch um or the, you know or the number of hockey jerseys that you might see at a metal show i mean of course you know True. going back to like you know the late great jeff hanneman and there's people like brian slagle and there's definitely been people in metal that have been flying the flag for hockey before the last 10 years but it feels like it's really accelerated so yeah it makes sense now i could easily second everything that each of you said here and i'm so happy that tony hawk was brought up because i just remember that being so formative i mean i would literally be skateboarding with my buddies then we'd be playing tony hawk and you discover all of these bands that you didn't know previously next thing you know you're spinning their cds and now you have a collection of them i'm listening to still what 10 15 years later so the fact that you can have something like that simply from a video game and now you know the way that that stuff is, everyone's playing these games. It's going to be really cool to see all the young kids that are able to learn about these bands that have been around for so long because maybe they haven't 
found another vice to. So I'm I'm super for it. And then the gatekeeping thing, you both know my my views on that. I say I say fuck it to anyone who's gonna judge. Just love what you love, push it out there. And the more light that's shown like shown on all these bands, even if it is someone as infant like famous as Metallica, like why would you be mad? It's an amazing band. It's even more people are gonna be jamming to it. So yeah, I agree with everything that was listed. Uh, there um, and now we're going to go into festivals because uh festival season's winding down which is so sad to say but there are still a few getting announced for november and december of this year and of course just shows that are going to be going through till uh, the end of the year as well so what is a festival or gig you either can't wait to attend or were excited to see announced recently let's uh i guess daniel you can start uh well i'm a little festivaled out i'm still on my aftershock aftershock um yeah. seriously it was four days of intense i don't know that i can do a four-day music festival like immediately i might need a, a couple weeks off um but i am super into the idea of getting really 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 baked and going to see weed eater they just announced a tour today <laughs> uh they're hitting the US next month uh, for headline shows, which is awesome. Uh, if you don't know Weed Eater, uh, they're the best ever. They're like sludgy, stonery, doomy, but like not like mellow and like kind of chilled out. It's like really abrasive and aggressive in his voice. He just sounds like an absolute monster jacked up on Jim Beam and blunts and just chain smoking chainsaw voice. It's unreal. A um, lot of whiskey, a lot of weed, a lot of head banging. So go see Weed Eater. Uh, they're the best. Dixie Dave rules. Um, so super stoked on that tour, but also I got to do a self plug. I'm hitting the road starting next week. If you, if you live in the Midwest or Salt Lake city or Southern California, I'm going out with exciter. We're doing a bunch of Halloween shows, uh, really cool. Like one-offs either underplays in smaller venues or like really crazy, uh, like big triple headline bills. We got, uh, one with Necrot and Riot city flying in. So we got, Tons of cool shows, so I'm like eight, eight shows for Halloween. So check that out. Uh, Exciter, coming to the U.S. First time in some of these cities in like 30 years. Let's let's go. Please tell me you guys are going to be dressing up for some of them too, because I just, I need these photographs. Come on. So we're playing Salt Lake City on Halloween. So if there's a dress-up show, that's going to be the dress-up show. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Amazing. I was going to say, you're going to dress up like Mormons. (laughs) Evil Mormons. No, we'd blend in way too much. <laughs> uh, I would love and to you see know, it, though. A great little full circle moment, if I may, too. You being in the, you know, the hot young shredder and exciter is a very famous Monsters of Filmland kind of thing because it's bringing this, like, amazing legacy act from the underground and giving it an injection of uh, the modern with someone who is very reverent for where it all came from. So it's just like Corey Taylor. Cheers. That was so cute. Look at that. Thanks, man. <laughs> that I mean, so nice. It's fun time. I love everyone just just get. It's a great time, but just seeing everybody get along so damn well on this channel just makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, enough mushiness. So let's keep it. Who knows? Uh, but Ryan, how about you? What's your pick? Uh, well, speaking of legends doing old things in a new way. Max Cavalera and Igor Cavalera are still on their tour as Max and Igor return beneath Arise, the longest band name ever. Do we call it Cavalera Conspiracy? Do we call it Sort of Sepultura? Whatever we call it, it's Max, it's Igor. It's half of the 
lineup and the voice that were on those classic Sepultura records. And it's an opportunity. I mean, look, Sepultura, the band that exists with Andreas and, you know, Derek Green is awesome and they're great live and they do a lot of classic Sepultura material as well. But this is one of those opportunities where you can go hear like all of, you know, beneath the remains and, and arise. Um, so it's like an album celebration. It's also Max and Igor and they're just, they're both, they're both such badasses. And that tour is rolling. This leg of it anyway, is rolling all the way through the end of this month. Um, it's here in Orange County on October 29th, I believe. So I'm looking forward to going to that. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I know we talked about this on the show way back whenever it was announced, but there's also the uh, Hate Breed 20 Years of Perseverance Tour. And then there's that um, Deftone show in San Diego at the beginning of next month with Turnstile and Freddie Gibbs and that whole crazy diverse bill. So yeah, lots of cool stuff. Very cool. The the Sepultura thing's amazing. The lineup, they got uh, Daniel from Possessed on guitar, Mike Leon, who plays in Soulfly, used to play in Havoc, playing bass as always. Um, dude, that sh- they, were, they were doing Roots for a long time, yeah. like Max and Igor, they were doing the Roots, and like, that's cool. Yeah. Not my album. I was going to say, you, and I, you and I are in the same boat there, for sure. Like, Roots is cool. Like, I yeah, respect that's, it. That's yeah. But that's this cute. Is, but but like, yeah, what do I want to go wanna... see? I want to go see this. Yeah. I see the world old. I see the world dead. I want to hear a rise. Like I want to hear yeah. that shit. That that's you know. Yeah, dude. Um, and they uh, one of the favorite things about going to those shows too is some of the merch that they have because they have a lot of like old school Sepultura stuff where it says Cavalera and the like OG that's Sepultura amazing. logo. And I mean, who doesn't want to wear one of those? And you know what? Like Sep- Sepultura, the band has like such a massive Derek Green fronted catalog now yes. that it's like they're their own thing. That's its totally. own little thing. And I love that Andreas is there and Paulo's there and Eloy's fucking sick ass drummer. But uh, you know, Max and Igor, that you're going to see classic Sepultura when you go see that. And they've got the two best dudes playing it with them that they could. Like both amazing musicians, uh Daniel and Mike. So that yeah, hot pick on that one. That's a good one. I think there's Good support on that. Warbringer was supported on the last leg. I'm sure there's great support on this leg too. They're killing it with that tour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to definitely keep the legend theme going. There's a festival that I'm actually so sad that I can't make it to, but it's Hell in Heaven Festival in Mexico. They just announced their entire lineup. It's mind blowing. Like you were literally yeah. seeing the who's who of metal on it. Kiss, Slipknot, Pantera, Judas Priest, Megadeth. It, the, it goes on and on. Like it's it's insane. Uh, it's kind of baffling, but amazing to see them lock down pretty much every top name in metal close to it, at least for one single event. So yeah, that is one I would just love to be able to see if it didn't conflict with something, which makes me sad. But you know, mm-hmm. amazing bands there. So whoever can goes in for a treat. And the attendance on those in Mexico. Dude, when you look when when I see attendance numbers from all those oh, Mexican okay. festivals, it's just like I it's mean It's insane. That festival It's it's a little overwhelming for me that Heaven and Hell. I was looking at the lineup today. I, I cuz I need to get my Pantera fix like on these early shows. I want to be there early before they inevitably change up the set list to make it, you know, better. I want to see the early shows. I want to <laughs> see shit potentially be like roughest stages i really do you're the guy, that goes, you're the guy that, that goes out. to nascar because you because a car might crash <laughs> that's awful that's not me baby that ain't me oh my gosh. I cannot. That's not my, 
Raw. I see what you mean. You just want it Dude. to be you want it to be less polished. Dude. Is that fair to so say? Zach Zach Wild. There's an article this week where Zach Wild says he hasn't started learning any of the songs yet. Yeah. Oh, that, please. That was I'm high. that was shocking, by the way. <laughs> All respect just to Zach. Insane. That Why would you <laughs> just no it's not really shocking you know what? It's, I think it's, it's true, a... but it's also shocking that it's an admission. Like yeah. don't say that out loud. I think it's a lie. Oh. I think it's a lie. I think they, they've already a Charlie Benante like pictures. Yeah, Charlie posted some photos. He was clearly at rehearsal with Rex and Phil, and I'm assuming Zach. So I think it's, I think it's like uh under promise over deliver. I like, was just gonna oh, we're use not that even very ready. And then <laughs> Yeah. So I guess we'll all that to say that I'm trying to in Mexico in Monterey, there's a festival that has like Merciful Fate and Pantera and so it's way smaller though. It's like one day. I think I'm gonna go to that instead oh. of going to that insane heaven and hell thing. That thing looks great. It's literally Hellfest sized in Mexico. It's gonna be fucking well, wild. Even the way it was laid out reminded me of the Hellfest branding. And I remember looking, thinking like, did they, and with, with hell being in the name, it's like, wait, are they bringing this over? It was, it was amazing to see. I'm still kind of shocked by it, but like, yeah. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. It looks like it. The, yeah. the schedule does, yeah. It's wild, but we can talk about that lineup for forever, but we have to definitely get into our favorite tunes that we are spinning. So what is everybody here currently loving? I know when we get to me, I have a bit of an oddball, so I'm really excited to see what both of you come up with. So Downey, let's go. Uh, well, I'm I'm going with a, uh, uh, for spooky season, I mean, I'm always breaking out uh, my usual, you know, Sam Hain and uh, some Bauhaus. And uh, I just went to a screening here at the, uh, la historic memorial park downtown of the craft um with a friend of mine and they had a dj there that was playing a bunch of stuff that was from the craft soundtrack so you know i've been chasing down a lot of those bands and getting nostalgic but in terms of new releases also keeping it dark and spooky there's a blackfell brides ep uh that is coming out soonish um maybe this week um i don't know by the time by the time this gets posted we'll know when that's actually coming out i actually don't remember <laughs> but um it's coming soon and it's um it's four more songs that they did with eric ron who produced uh their most recent album which um you know gave them their first top 10 rock hit uh but is also this you know comic booky gothic super heroic anti-hero concept tale so all this stuff that checks a lot of boxes for me and I love all of those dudes and I'm always happy whenever they put out new music. Haters be damned. And I will say people that hate Blackfell Brides tend to be people that looked at a picture from 10 years ago and never actually listened to a riff. There's riffs in there. <laughs> them riffs. Believe it or not, they're all ash with riffs. Man. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and JK, uh, what would you go with for this week? Who are you loving? Spooky seasons to make sure everyone, you got to listen to lots of Vanek. You got to listen to lots of Acid Witch. You got to list, lo listen to lots of Halloween and Halloween. Um, but for new shit, yes. um, uh, two picks. Shocker. They're old school sounding bands. Uh, two picks from the new wave of traditional heavy metal. That's Nawak to him. Uh, there's a brand new EP from Entranced. Uh, that's Entranced with an I. It's self-titled. 
Um, it's a bit of like uh, Nawatahim Supergroup, if you will. We got uh, Luna from Holy Grail, Philly from Fortress, Ben from Poisoned Chalice. Um, it kind of lies in the, you know, mutual handshake spot between like hard rock and like neo-traditional heavy metal, like Scorpions and Deep Purple having a rager with Maiden and Def Leppard. It's uh, really awesome. Super, super melodic. I went to the EP release show last weekend in Alhambra. Uh, they slay live. It was my second time seeing them live. Tons of energy. Luna sounds like a fucking maniac still. He's one of my favorite singers. Um, it's undeniable heavy metal prowess. It's fucking rad. It's independent. Go buy it on Bandcamp. It slays. Um, okay. Very, very good record. Super stoked for a full length. Entranced. Um, and for a full length record, there's uh, a newer band. Uh, they're called, you know, compared to Entranced, who are brand new. Uh, there's a newer band called Riot City. They're Canadian. Uh, they have a new record out called Electric Elite. It's like uh, heavy speed and power metal. But instead of just having like Judas Priest riffs everywhere, it's got like super like technical, noty, riffy stuff going on. Lots of multiple guitar harmonies. Cool. Everything's super melodic all the time. Um, and well, it is like a speed metal band and it's got like, you know, blistering fast shredders, like double bass to the max, like 16th note type stuff. The standout songs are all kind of like mid, mid paced anthemic, like heavy metal, like, you know, fist pumpers, not so much moshers. Um, so feel really good about that record. I've listened to it a bunch of times. It's super metal. Like, I don't know how to express this, but like, it's the artwork, the band name, the photos of the band, like it's metallic as fuck. Uh, it's like Judas Priest meets Enforcer meets Skullfist and all those elements. It's like just over the top. Um, the lead singer literally has like three octaves of like a soaring clean vocal. It's insane. It's uh, it's on No Remorse Records. It's a fantastic underground label. It's out now. Riot City, Electric Elite. Check that one out. It's it's a it's a hot pick and a hot tip from me. Will do. I like those hot yes. picks and hot tips from you. That's great. Hot picks and all of the hot tips. I, 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 text I, I, me that. Always, you always update me on what's going on with the like revivalists of of the various uh, wings of. Yeah, I'm sold. We, we prefer, Revivalist makes us sound a little dated. We prefer Defenders defenders of the Faith. I think that's more us. I stand corrected. Yes, much much better. That's good. Um, so my pick's definitely strange. I came across a single this morning called Soda Lake with Game Genie by a band called Fire Tools. That's just pure wilding out in the form of a song. It's a self-released single, has brutal breakdowns, lots of cyber noise and grind elements too. But it's almost like if Mr. Mister went metal and had a child with the Super Mario world. So um, I had no idea I would fall in love with this. It's so strange. It just feels nostalgic to me. And it's like two worlds of gaming and metal coming together you know so all for it and another release that I really want to dive into is the newest from We Came As Romans. They dropped a new album called Dark Bloom that I'm really excited to check out because I just love the super dark melodious arresting singles that they put out previously. So that's already on my radar and I just need to dive in a little bit deeper. But those are my two picks for the week. So, Shout so out much to Caleb Shomo who's on that uh, We Car song that's still burning up the old Spotify metal charts. Would it be yeah. fair to call that band Mr. Mr. Bungle? Yes. I can't. Just basically your like description. That's exactly what it is. It sounds just like it. But I want to discover more. And they're also self-released and on Bandcamp. So go and uh, check that out too. Yeah. 
Word. Word. So many great new tunes, though. I'm going to definitely hit both of you up to uh, dive more into it, as I usually do. But just as always, thank you so much for joining me tonight to both Daniel Decay and Ryan J. Downey. And thank you so much to everyone who is watching NotFest Heavy Conversations. You already know that we will be back right here next week. So don't go anywhere. And once again, I've been Alicia Atu. Until next time. <laughs>